Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's a snippet of a song called Together from Ricky Bird's new album, Sobering Times. Hello, this is Goldmine editor Patrick Prince, and welcome back to the Goldmine Podcast, a proud part of the Pantheon family of podcasts. For first-time listeners, Goldmine Magazine is the collector's magazine that's been around since 1974. We cover everything from record collecting, CD collecting, collecting music memorabilia, and just collectibles in general. And we interview artists who you've grown up collecting. In other words, we're also big on music history, especially centered in the era of rock and roll. So as you heard from that music clip, the song Together, it's a catchy little number by singer-songwriter Ricky Bird, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, the 2015 inductee with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, and the album Sobering Times, as the title might suggest, is about recovery. Ricky Bird has been on a 30-plus year mission to deliver his message of hope to those recovering from addiction. It's right there in the music as he puts it himself the roller coaster of emotions and everyday trials of recovery from hitting rock bottom to the gratitude of surviving and thriving in a sober life. Uh, Ricky Bird is also a recovery coach, a drug and alcohol counselor, and he visits schools, rehab facilities, detention and detox centers, where he performs, talks, and he leads recovery music groups. Uh, In fact, he gave away thousands of copies of his last album, Clean Getaway, uh, at these facilities so they could take the music home, um, the message of recovery home with them. And Bird also has a great bunch of collaborators on this album. Jeff Casey of Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, he plays keyboards. Steve Holly of Wings, Ian Hunter, and Joe Cocker play drums. Also playing drums, Liberty DeVito of Billy Joel fame, also Rich Pagano of the Fab Foe, and Tommy Price of 
the Blackhearts. And additionally, he collaborated with Willie Nile. A great duet on here on this album, Sobering Times, called Recover Me. And also collaborated where he co-wrote a song with Emily Duff called Ain't Gonna Live Like That. You know, Ricky timed this release of the album Sobering Times for the end of September this year to coincide with the 33 years ago to the day that he started his sobriety. And currently the CD is available at rickybird.com. So let's hook up with Ricky and let's talk about sobering times and the mission that he's on. Pat, Ricky Bird. How are you, man? Um, Sobering Times is an album, you know, it's about recovery, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, but to define it would be the uh, struggle between sobriety and addiction, right? Is that how you would define it? Okay. That's that's good. It's it's the... um... I mean, the the songs, uh, they go from addiction, not in order, but addiction, recovery, hope, change for the better. You know, it's it's all about it's all about recovery. That's the umbrella, I guess. Now, you know, for people listening to this, what how would you maybe could tell them because they might not know how you got on the road to sobriety and how you have spread the word about sobriety to other musicians, to other musicians in the industry and to other um, people who are struggling. Well, okay. So I'm not, I'm not anonymous about my recovery. Um, some people are, I am anonymous about my means, uh, because that's, um, you know, that's why there's anonymous programs. But, um, I, you, I started using, I started smoking pot when I was 13 and, um, you know, and, and by the time I stopped 18 years later, I was, I was pretty, that was pretty wonky, my friend. You know? Yes. <laughs> like the last 10 years were pretty brutal. I mean, I, I think stuff started to go downhill um, quicker uh, in, in the late 70s, early 80s when, when cocaine became a word that I understood. Right. Um, as, opposed, you know, as opposed to seeing stuff in movies and on TV. So, yeah, I mean, like um, I, I went down that uh, rabbit hole and um, in 1987, actually September 25th, 1987 is is when I um, walked into my first community support group meeting, and um, I've been clean and sober ever since. So, so, uh, so now I'm this guy, uh, and I'm touring sober. Which um, you change, you need to change your whole method of thinking and touring. So you can't really um, hang out the way you used to hang out, right? Right. And and and, and you have to, you have to. I don't know what the, you have to put like a, a rope around, like a velvet rope around you so you don't get tempted. Right. So, um, uh, at the thing, I think at the beginning I was hanging out in rooms when people were still drinking and drugging and, you know, it was told to me very early on by people in recovery, yeah, it might not be a good idea. Right. So I would, I would start to go back to my room, uh, and phone people, call people and lean on people, uh, other people that were clean and sober. Um, I stopped hanging out at the bar. I mean, at the beginning, you know, then later I was, I could sit at a bar table and have a club soda, but, you know, it was quite a while before I did that. And, um, you just try to put up your, you know, your best defense. Um, and when I would pull into town, well, let's put it this way. Um, well, first of all, let me, let me preface it with this. I, I have, I was never a guy that like was drunk on stage or, mm. you know, over medicated something. Did I smoke a, a joint before I went on stage? Yeah, absolutely. Not every time, but I'm saying, you know, yeah. 
Did I did I have to have a couple of Heinekens throughout the show? Sure, but I was never trashed on stage. Maybe uh, on one hand, <laughs> all my time in, in bands, and and I tried to actually, um, you know, I tried to do coke before a show. It didn't work for me at all. Uh, problem with that is like you know, five minutes later you want more, and you're like in the right. middle of a song. So, right. um, so I just didn't do that. But after the show, traveling. You know, either staying in town or traveling on the bus to the next place. Complete madness. Yeah. Um, and when we were off the road, complete madness. Yeah, I've heard Johnny I Cash. Ronnie Wood, I remember Ronnie Wood said that his problems were really when he was off the road. Mm. You know, um, so 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 that's that was that was the deal, right? And I just and and the last ten years were brutal out of eighteen. Mm. Um, and I didn't really realize I had a problem. I'm listen, I, I was, you know, I was all involved in, uh, you know, people say, well, did everybody get high? It's like, no, but the people I got used to hang with did. Right. And not everybody on the road was drinking and drugging. Like, no, no, but those are the people I wanted to hang out with. Right. Well, plus the it last was, thing you want is people ju the last thing you want is people judging you. Right, and that was this late seventies and eighties, where it was more um, part yeah. part of the culture. Um, it was less accepted if you were trying to be sober. Now, I was going to ask you: Is it? I hate the word use use the word easier, but it, is it better for an entertainer? Because I'm not going to just center on musicians because this is about entertainers too because i think johnny cash put it that when you're on the road constantly you know you take something to sleep you take something to wake up you take something to get through you know yeah, yeah. so it's about entertainers it's about being in show business um do you think people are more acceptable dude, I, I i was like that before i was in the music business per se like I, you know when i was still playing in bands and yeah. we weren't signed or anything Dude, I was a bike messenger in New York for a while. I was taking freaking amphetamines like Johnny Cash to, to just yeah. be up all day. Right, right. You know, and, and I'd take it first thing in the morning and I'd be zipping through the day with, you know, packages on my bike and, 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 and like, a, like a cigarette case full of joints, you know. Right. So, I mean, I, I have this thing. My, my, my dad, his father both died um, of this, uh, of the disease of alcoholism. So, like, you know, the, that part of it's in my genes. Um, as far as it being easier, well, I, I think that the, and I'm, and listen, trust me, I'm really not entrenched in the music business anymore. I'm like, you know, I put these records out, but I, I'm not like part of the, like, I don't know what's going on, but I do know since there's not as much money being made in the rock and roll business, I would tend to think that, um, being a drugged out, um, a guitar player is a lot less accepted than it used to be. Right, right. Because as long as you're making money for the record company, I guess you got away with a lot of shit. Yes. You know, so probably the hammer came down a little bit. And I know there's, there's great uh, uh, programs like Music Cares, which is part of the recovery, uh, I'm sorry, the Recording Academy. Um, they have Music Cares, and that Music Cares is a place where people in the entertainment business could call on if they need to get into treatment or if they're, you know, I've done stuff with them, you know, um, I've done some, um, like groups for, uh, musicians that are new in recovery. Um, so yeah, it's way accepted. I, I think when I, when I first got into recovery, you know, I don't know, there was the Betty Ford clinic. There were probably a handful of very well-known rehab centers. I didn't go to rehab. I just started going to community support group meetings mm. that it took. 
Um, but now there's like rehabs all over the country. Yeah. You know. Um, so is it easier? There's probably less stuff on. I mean, like I said, I'm not on the road with people, so I don't have a clue. I mean, right. you still watch TMZ and you still see people that are in rehab every three weeks. Yes. You yes. Know? Yeah. But I would think that um, it's easier to find recovery now because it's out there and it's so public and it's mm. not as shameful, even though there's still a stigma. It's not a shameful thing like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And some may think it's even trendy. Mm. You know, you can call it what you want as long as you're on the right side of the grass. I don't give a rat's ass what you call it. That's a good point. You know, just just don't die. Yeah. <laughs> and these these are times when it could be especially hard uh, for people. You know, isolation has oh got God. to make it harder. Well, you know? I always say uh, iso- addiction thrives on isolation. Yeah. That's when that's when the voices start telling you that you know you need to get high to get through yeah, this, or yeah. uh, you could do it this this last time, or um, you won't do as much. Um, so, uh, yeah, to answer your question, uh, to to your point, yeah, um, this pandemic since March, I think the, the relapse and OD rate has gone up like thirty, thirty five, forty percent. So I'm I'm very sorry for. Um, People that are kind of considering going into recovery, they never quite made it into a group or something like that, and, yeah. and then this happened, and then you're alone with your thoughts, and, yeah. you know, the one thing you do in the middle, when New York was like crazy in March with all all the deaths here, um, when we when we had it really bad, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have that craving and obsession, you'll convince yourself it's okay to go out and cop. Yes. Period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, so well, it's it was, a rough world, but but there's a solution, and I found it, and um, and I'm happy to share that knowledge with anybody that um, reaches out and needs help because that's part of my responsibility as somebody that's been given a different life, uh, you know. And make no mistake about it, I've made 101 freaking personality uh, life mistakes in recovery, but I I have not picked up, a, I have not felt the need to pick up a drink or a drug, which is like really the victory. Well, we had a we had a goldmine reader write in, um, and oh, cool. I w- wanted to get your reaction to this. He happens to be a mental health and substance misuse speaker, coach, advocate, and he didn't like how the word junkie came up in an interview in our pages. Uh, he said, and I quote, "Calling someone a junkie, you might as well call them a piece of shit." Which I know your writer didn't mean, or at least I'm going to assume he didn't mean. But man, that's rough. The accepted language is shifting and thinking has changed so strongly in the last decade. I know it's tough to keep up. Um, what do what you do think? I think? Well, you know, there'll be some who think it might be too politically correct and others who think it's very appropriate. So that's coming from someone well, who is in so, the yeah, trenches. Yeah, I get it. And, and listen, I went to school two years ago and got certified as a counselor and a recovery coach. Counselor in training, I need a certain amount of hours, but obviously I can't work at a place right now. Right. But um, um, that came up a lot. Like, the, the, you know, getting rid of the stigma. They're, you know, they're trying to change the language. Like, they don't say uh, substance abuse anymore. It's, it's substance use disorder. Yes. Uh, does it help? What the hell do I know? You know, I mean, I don't mind, you know, I, it doesn't, the words don't offend me. Right. Um, if, you, if you do the history and find out what a junkie is, um, in, in, in the, uh, you know, early 20th century, well, when, even before that, maybe, uh, when somebody was an opium, uh, uh mm-hmm. or a morphine user, 
and they used to sell metal um, for for their get high. It was they were called junkies. Mm. How do you like that? Yeah, William Burroughs so, used to um, use it all the time, and he was, you know. Of course, and and you know what? I've actually asked in, in treatment, like I've, I've because it came up a lot of times, um, and I've asked some of the clients in treatment, does that word offend you? And I've not one of them has, has said yeah. yeah, but I understand the the want to lessen the stigma yes. of of addiction, and and if that's that a good point. is a good thing, fabulous. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have the great attitude that you carry is as long as people, as long as it works for people, getting sober, recovery works for people, you, you know, you don't care how. Oh, man. <laughs> right. Um, I, when I do my recovery music groups, I, the first thing I say is I am not here to push 12-step programs. Right. Whatever keeps you on the right side of the grass is a good thing. Right. And then I, I turn it, you know, I, I get humorous. I say, listen. If if you know if you want to go to twelve step, fabulous. You know, um, if you uh, if going to church keeps you clean and sober, excellent. If you join a bowling league and it keeps you sober, clean and sober, terrific. Right. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways now. I know which way worked for me. Yep. But I am not a preacher. I can only say, hey, you know, this is why I'm clean and sober almost thirty three years. Um, if you want to try it, you know, let me know. I will. I'd be happy to take you to where the action is yeah. um and and that's it but i'm very like keep it simple guy like i don't i don't um, i don't want to preach i don't want to you don't want to scare people off right you know you, you know this harm reduction you know uh, as far as harm reduction as long as it leads to recovery uh, it's a good thing well music definitely helps and uh this album i was going to ask you how do you think sobering times delivers your message differently than your last album clean getaway um, well, I, I, I mean, the basis of it is the same, uh, but what I think I, I, first of all, I think I'm even better at writing these kinds of songs. Mm -hmm. I try every one of these songs out before I even get to the point of recording them. I try them out with my acoustic guitar in a treatment facility. Hmm. Even the real loud ones, I strip down you know, and try it. And then I do it once in acoustic and I say, well, I, it's a great song, but I can't play it on acoustic. <laughs> um, so uh, wh why do I know it's a good song? Because of the reaction I get from the clients in treatment mm. in, in my recovery music groups. Like if they come over to me and they say, you know, that, that third song you did, man, uh, you know, I ain't going to live like that no more. You know, yeah, man, it, it gave me the chills. Like you, it, you told my story or something. Then I know I'm on the right track. Right. And um, so, so what did I do on this record that was different than Clean Getaway is I wanted to have a bigger lane so I made a few of the songs not as drug and alcohol specific, and there's some gratitude songs on there. Yes. And there's stuff that don't matter. Don't mention drugs and alcohol. It's just about changing your life for the better. Mm. You know, and part of it's a little selfish. I wanted to see if I can get some airplay because the more airplay I get, the more people hear it, and the more people hear it. Maybe somebody's out there sitting alone in their living room. Right. You know, uh, uh, and they want to go out and cop or go to the bar or something like that. And, and maybe something that's in the lyrics, they go, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's your message. Maybe I won't today. I mean, you've given away thousands of copies of Clean Getaway. Well, that's, so. an, yeah, that's another thing. I, I would, um, when I do these music groups, I bring a stack of, uh, you know, 50 to 100 of, of Clean right. Getaway to the treatment facility right. and I give them to the clinical director and then I announce to the to the clients and group I say when you complete which is you know is, is slang for when you complete your treatment 
um, there's a copy of this waiting uh, for you. And if they run out, you find me on social media and uh, you private message me and I'd be happy to email you and send you one. Yeah, and uh, I've had I've had over the last four years, you know, probably 50 people have like actually messaged me and I've sent them copies of it. Otherwise, they they took them home from treatment and then they they always find me and they say, hey, man, I'm still listening to that. I got like six months clean or, you know. And like, you know, what more could you ask for as an artist or somebody in recovery? Yeah, because music is the, I think, the most positive thing to soothe you when you're isolated or alone. Um, you could feel as you're part of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, it did for me when I was a kid. Yes, well, absolutely. Who do, you, who do you run to in the in the 70s? Who did you run to when your girlfriend broke up with you? You <laughs> ran to Al Green. Yeah, I... I ran to all sorts of artists on the turntable. Well, you know, but uh, you, you get what I'm, you get my yeah, thing, I right? do. Like you yeah. would run down, you know. Now, I'm so tired of being alone. I'm so, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. That was pretty so, good. Yeah, music, music heals. Um, <laughs> well, you got a lot of different influences here. You can you can hear them. I I hear Bruce Springsteen, uh, Stones. Oh, which song? Tell me which song. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. I got to look back, but there was this. This one song that was like, oh my god, that's that sounds like Bruce. So hold on, let me look at the swampy. Was it tired? The song tired. I think it was. Yeah, tired. Which actually, to me, tired has that has that sort of has a sort of uh, country feel too. Don't you think? Country I think rock. It has more of like, I, I think it has more of like a, like a, a a swampy kind of faces. You know, or, or even, even, even like, 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 um, keep even, your hands to yourself. I, uh, yes. Uh, what were they called? Georgia Satellites. Up all night on the road. Now daylight come and we want to go home. I'm tired, tired, tired. Tired, tired, tired. From chasing shadows in the rain Always looking for something to do My music um, is a product of everything I listened to from the age of 13 to, you know, my 20s, right? I grew up in a great time. Uh, I was a teenager in the 70s. So, like, I got great sources to pull from that I was in love with. So that's who I am as a guitar player, as a songwriter. I'm a product of all that stuff. There's a little blues. There's a little swampy right. rock and roll. There's, a, you know, some glam. Like, the second song together is just a big yeah. glam song. Yeah. I mean, we could have done it in the Blackhearts, you know? I mean, it's... If, and that's why Tommy Price is. I asked him to play on it. The drummer that played with me um, in one of the versions of the Black Hearts um, that I was in. I think that's your best so, song on the album because it's so damn catchy. Well, that's good. So, so here's the, the here's the Bruce thing. So I so I, I write this song right, and I had it up until it ended before it starts again. Mm. And um, I was watching. I just happened to catch. On, I don't know, on YouTube or Netflix, I caught a, a, a concert from Spain of, of Bruce, and he did a song called Ramrod. Yeah. 
and and I listened and I went I heard a, five different versions of it. And it's always a different speed, but this one version from Spain, he does that fake ending, and he's making all these cool faces and he's on stage and there's thousands of people, you know, seventy thousand people, and the song ends and then he goes two three and he start and it's like a fake ending like three times, and the crowd's going crazy and they said I need a fake ending on this song. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm thinking, hopefully, I'll get to go out and, and do these songs live. So that's yes, I completely uh, stole the idea from Bruce from Rap Rise, not for the song, but for the fake ending. I think I heard it a little in the Merle Haggard song you covered too, "The Bottle Let Me Down," uh, which is yes, a, Merle, I love that song. Which is a great song to uh, get your message across. I Googled it to see, and I just went, you know what? I don't care. I like it. So I did it my way, which is that sl sl sloppy kind of drunken sailor rock and roll yep. without the without the drunken. And um, and that song in particular, I finished after uh, lockdown. So we finished the record. I had like 17 songs. I narrowed it down to 15. So uh, I narrowed it down to 12. And then the rest of them... There were like three completed ones and a couple that I never really went further. Um, and I had a second cover song. I cut a really cool version of Reach Out, I'll Be There, uh, which it sounds great, uh, you know, the Four Tops tune. And that was going to be my cover song. And, and just by coincidence, there was a commercial in New York. Um, maybe it was countrywide, I don't know. But it was in New York uh, for something, a car insurance or school or something and it was this really uh i mean i don't want to insult anybody it was kind of a bland version of of reach out i'll be there and i said you know what let me hold off on this one so now i'm short i, I wanted to have a cover and so when pandemic started when the lockdown started i was listening to some of the tracks that mm -hmm. i had left over and and what i had from bottle let me down was uh because i don't have a band so i have to piecemeal everything so what I had was a uh, rhythm guitar track, me, um, a, a good one, though. That's the one that's on there. Um, I had a scratch vocal. So what that means is, like, I play, to, you know, I play my guitar to a click track, mm. and then I just sing it. And then Tommy Price was there for another song for Together. I said, hey, let me play you something. And he played on that one. And he played on Bottle Let Me Down. Um, so that's what I had, drums, scratch vocal, and one guitar. And I was listening. So the, the most important thing is the is the vocal. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? That ain't half bad. 
<laughs> for just like one take straight through, you know, just turn to hit record. Um, and I said, let's work on this one. So what happened was Bob Stander, my co-producer, whose studio it is called Parse Cheesy Studios in Huntington, Long Island. He put bass on it. Uh, then we sent it to Jeff Kazee, who plays with Southside Johnny and the Asbury mm -hmm. Jukes, who I played with for a couple of minutes, for a cup of coffee, as they say in baseball. Um, and um, Jeff played uh, keyboards on it. And also, so I couldn't do backgrounds, right? So I said, I, I, I emailed Jeff and I said, give me some Keith harmonies, you know, sevenths. So that's that's him singing the, the harmonies to my, my choruses. And, and then I didn't have a guitar break. But I loved what I did in the rhythm, uh, like for the solo, what I played on rhythm, very kind of Brian Jonesy, scrappy Keith. Yeah. So I told Bob, I mean, Bob is a great guitar player. I said, uh, and a great bass player, of course. I said, play, you you do the, you play, uh, give me a lead track. But when don't don't riff on the solo. Follow what I'm doing because it's it's cool. I don't want I don't want to do a riffing kind of solo. So that's Bob playing that. He's playing the lead, and then we just mixed it. And there you go. Well, you say you don't, and it fits great. You said that you don't have a band, but you got all these people to collaborate with. So, I don't know if it was um, just came natural. It seems like the way you talk to it, it, it does. But you also got Emily Duff and Willie Nile. Right. I mean, those are good. <laughs> those are. We, yeah, we did it well. So, so Clean Getaway. I had Bobby Whitlock play on one song. Right. He played on it. Uh, the song Clean Getaway. Um, I didn't have a lot of special guests. I have a cast of characters. Um, Steve Holly uh, always plays drums, but this, but this one, and Bob always plays bass. I always have Christine Allman to sing backgrounds. I had Marge Raymond on the Clean Getaway record. And on this one, um, same cast of characters. Um, the Clean Getaway record, I also have Andy Burton play some keyboards, and he plays with um, Little Steven in the Disciples of Soul. And, and you know, we played together in various events and stuff over the years. And this one I had, uh, uh, Andy was out with Steven, so I, I, he wasn't available. So because um, he played on, uh, he played all the keyboards. Actually, Andy played on one song, but I wound up not using it. Um, and, and so drums, um, I wanted to use a few of my friends. Um, so I got a Liberty DeVito played on uh, Starlit Night. And Rich Pagano, who plays with the Fab Faux, played on um, Quitting Time. Uh, when I recorded, when I was going to do together the big glam tune, I said, uh, Tommy Price has got to play on this. Uh, <laughs> so he played on that and he played on uh, A Bottle Let Me Down and Steve Holly played on everything else. As far as co-writing, I wanted to try to write as much as possible on my own just to see if I could do it and see what I can come up with. And, and of course, I'm getting really good at writing these songs, these kind of songs. Right. So, but, but, I, but I love, you know, Willie Nile is a, a friend of mine and I said, dude, let's do a duet. Let's write some so we wrote two songs together. One of them um, is fabulous, but it didn't make the record yet. I wanted to change some stuff on it, um, and and recover me as the other one. And and I said, oh, let's let's sing it together, man. So that's that one. And Emily Duff is is uh, you know I've seen her play a couple times. She's got a great spirit, really swampy girl. Yeah. You know, great songwriter. And I said, let's let's try to write something. So I sent her the music and I sent her the you know the melody and what I wanted. And then we started writing lyrics together. Yeah, Will, Willie and, Niles. And besides, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and everything else besides the Merle Haggard song I wrote. Yeah, so, the, Re the Recover Me song. Besides Together, uh, I think it's uh, well. First, it's got one of the best rock riffs on the album, 
It's just... Uh, <laughs> And that's important. It's, it is very important in rock and roll. You know it as well, well as me, I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to introduce. You got to pull. Anybody says to me, somebody says to me, I lost my edge. I'll, I'll freaking jump off a roof. <laughs> you could, but, you could play uh, that song. Yeah. So, so I sent Willie. Like, I always come up with the music. I always come up with the music. So I sent Willie yeah. the music. Uh, you know, like I, I, I played it on my phone, like on the mm. little mic on your phone, and mm. I emailed it to him. And he comes back to me uh, almost immediately. He says, it's called Recover Me. Mm. I'm like, ah, very nice. Well, listen, uh, you know, you're a huge Yankees fan as well as I am. Uh, I'm surprised. Did you ever reach out to Bernie Williams to jam with him? Oh, God, I've played, I've done like three events with him. You have? I didn't like, know that. We, we, yeah, we, we've done, um, uh, I, I do, I'm at that point in age in my life where I'm always asked to play in, in these all-star rock bands, hmm. you know, for, for like these like charity events. Right. So we actually, me and Bernie backed up Smokey Robinson at, at a, a Little Kids Rock event in Manhattan. I didn't know that. Uh, we were the two we were the two guitar players, yeah. And and funny because Bernie just wants to talk about guitar playing, and then I'm asking about switch hitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to talk about baseball anymore. I'm I, I sure. Straight out, said, I said, "Do you ever miss it?" And he goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Well, he always he's played, great right? Guy. Great guy, great guitar player, a great yeah. guy. Well, he's yeah, got he always plays. He's got to get you a gig playing acoustic, the Star Spangled Banner, to open up a open up a game, man. He just did that oh, recently. He just did that. That's recently. a little too frightening for me, man. <laughs> I mean, I've had some great Yankee experiences. Like I said, I grew up in the Bronx. Our, right. our kitchen window overlooked the stadium. We were at the top of the hill. Mm. Um, and you know, I would sit there listening to my transistor radio to Mickey Mantle hit a home run, and right. you know, and you'd hear the roar from the stadium, and and then you'd, you'd hear the roar from your radio, right? Pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I remember this is my good my good Yankee one of my good Yankee stories. Well, I mean, I got a ton of them. The year that we were inducted, so that was in April, right? And it was yeah. maybe. When, when is it on HBO? It starts. Does it start in May or something like that? I think it, it starts in May. Right. Not not this year. Then, but. <laughs> no, no. Two thousand. Right. Two thousand and fifteen. So right. so it, it's on HBO. The induction. And there I am I'm playing with McCartney and I, like in the All Star thing at the end. So I go. She, she that's the that's one of the years she invited me to the Old Timers Day. I swear to you, bro. Like I had people coming over to me because it was just on TV. 
Yeah. So I had somebody came over and said, uh, Mr. Bird, uh, Ricky Henderson would like to meet you and take a picture. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, so there I am taking a picture with Ricky Henderson. Joe Torrey's like, congratulations, man. Good job. Good. I'm like, wow, this is like my grandfather should see this shit. <laughs> you know, David Wells is there. I'm oh. taking pictures with David Cohn. It's like, yeah, man, we used to listen to you guys all the time. I'm like, no, you did not. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I've been, a, I've, I've, I've been blessed to be around like, like these baseball players. Like I could meet, I mean, maybe if I meet Keith, I would be a little shy. Right. Uh, but, um, but uh, musicians, man, nah, you know, uh, to me, they're like peers, you know, like we're, right. We're, we're all musicians. Yeah. Dude, if I meet baseball players, I'm like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> really? I am. I swear. I'm surprised you, you haven't, ball? I'm surprised you haven't met Keith yet. Um, that, that's I did. I met him like I met him a long, long time ago. Right. And then when he had the Winos tour, I met him in the seventies. Yeah. And I met him on the Winos, but briefly he was walking by, and I and it's yeah. Hey, I, I'm like I was an idiot. I was like, Hey, I'm Ricky. I played with Joe Jett in the Blackhawks. Ah, nice, <laughs> mate. You know. you know. Yeah, he meets so but many I people. Get to, yeah. I, I get to get to play with McCartney and Ringo. So that's right, good. right. So when after. The coronavirus dies down. Are you think? Obviously, you're thinking of going on tour, right? Are you going to bring some of these musicians with you? Um, Man, that's a great question. Um, I would love. Like now, I have two CDs filled with yes. this rock and roll material. Right. Um, I definitely have enough for a good opening slot. You know. Um, yeah. So where do we play? Like, do, do so there's a lot of questions. Yeah. So now let's just make believe that all this stuff is gone now, right? So we're a year from now, and maybe we're back to normal, maybe. Um, like, where do you play when you're doing this kind of stuff? Like, yeah, we could do recovery events. Could we play clubs? It would probably, if I want people to be able to come from treatment facilities and in recovery, mm. you know, like, it would have to be like non-alcoholic, maybe. Or right. Well, there are clubs that like, there are clubs that do that. There are clubs that do that. Yeah. So those there are all those questions like. Where would I bring this? I mean, listen, any rock fan would come to this thing and just go, "Wow, this yeah. is great rock and roll." Right. You know, but I want the people that I'm that I'm writing the songs for to be able to come. Right. Right. You know, so I could do acoustics. The, the thing I miss the most, and I've said this a million times since it started, I do a lot of treatment facilities around the country, and I go to um, schools, high schools, uh, just me and my acoustic, and sometimes I'm a keynote speaker at a recovery event. Um, uh, and there's this place in Jersey that I, I've been going to once a month for the last three years called Turning Point in Patterson. Mm. They expect me there, man. It's like I go in, I come in, hey, Ricky, hey, play this one, play that one. Um, and, and I play to like 70 guys, and then I have lunch, and they bring me over to the women's unit, and I play to like 40 women. And they all, you know, either heard of me from there or know me, and I give out the CDs, and it's like a, I miss that to death, bro. Yeah. I, I just miss the whole thing, man. And like, I come out of there like floating because, you know, I'm playing and then I'm also helping. But it would also be great to hear the rock riff of Recover Me live on stage with a band behind you. You know what I mean? That... Oh, no doubt, bro. Come on, man. I want to do that. I, and and I, yeah, Jeff Kazee for sure. Steve yep. Holly. You know, because Ian Hunt is off the road. Uh, you know, even he was off the road before this because I know he had it some uh, ear problems. Um, I would like to do a short thing or at least do something like, like play this stuff. 
And I said to Willie, like, when this thing, you know, when, when this is over, like, when you play in the city, let's do Recover Me. I'll come up yeah. and jump up with you. Well, he you is know? the New but, York you know, City guy. <laughs> yes, he is. He's a great guy. Yeah. And um, and he's so enthusiastic and, and helpful for me. He's just, yeah, Rick, you wrote a classic, man. This is a classic, Rick. Like, he's the greatest guy. He's just very enthusiastic about other people's music. Um so you know, yeah, I, I could put a band together in a heartbeat, but you know it's expensive, and you gotta you can't lose money. So uh, the, the easiest thing I could do is to go out and play acoustic, but or variables. You could go out acoustic with a keyboard player. You could mm -hmm. get acoustic with a trio. You could you know. Right. There's you a can, lot of I've done it all, bro. You, you can know? you could white stripe it and uh, have a drummer in you. Yeah, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> uh, I would I would have to have some sort of. Like I'd like a bass player or a kid, you know. But I've in my in my career I've I've tried it all except yeah. the white stripe thing. Yes, <laughs> that's not you easy. Uh, but I would love to. I would love to. I just want to get back to doing, um, you know, my work where I'm playing to people uh, in recovery and right. trying to help some people struggle. Uh, not struggle is hard. Uh, as we wrap up yeah. here, uh, if there's a listener right now thinking of recovery, what would you say? you know, to them briefly. Is there something you would say to well, them? Well, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Yeah. That. Uh, I, I have not one bad th thing to say about recovery. I've been I'm 33 years uh, in a few days. Um, I've, you know, made a ton of mistakes, but nothing um, that made me want to drink a drug. And you learn from every mistake. Um, uh, there is help out there. There are 25 million people in recovery in this country alone you know uh not counting the rest of the world and right. um there's so there's so much help right now out there uh you you got to reach out though you have to be the one to reach out um and uh i know for me like during this pandemic i've been um since i'm not really anonymous with that uh i have been you know i post things every once in a while I say look if anybody's struggling mm. and i mean i'm also a recovery coach and a certified counselor right right uh, counselor in training. I got to always do the rabbit ears when I say that uh, until I get hours. Who knows if I'll ever get them at this point. I always say if you're struggling, I put it on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter. I say if you're struggling with addiction, PM me. And if you want to have a chat, uh, I'm uh, I'm in, you know? Yeah. Because you know, that helps me too, you know? It helps me to to, to be helpful. Right. And, and meanwhile, like hopefully a lot of people hear something in this in sobering times that they, you know, may need to hear and maybe it'll push them along a little bit. That's my job. I'm not preaching. There's no preaching. I, I hope you agree with me. There's no preaching on this record. Yeah, I agree. I it, do agree with that. It's, it's about it's just, hope, too. It's it's filled with a lot of hope, um, not just in yeah, songs and, like and, Life is and Good. And it's throwing and, the cards on the table. It's like, yeah, life is good. Yeah, right. that's, I hope that doesn't, because it's at the end of the record, doesn't get lost because it's a pretty cool rock and roll song. Um I mean, something's got to be at the end. <laughs> well, it has a great message about you talk about finally liking and loving yourself, and that's needed before you can help others, right? Um, yeah, and the message in there is it ain't it ain't perfect, but it's better than it used to be. Right. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's basically the message of life is good. So the point is, um, I hope people get something out of it that I have intended for them to get out. Like I just, all my job is to put the truth out there, uh, you know, um, and basically I try to make a solution in every song. You know, it's, 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 I try to end it with some sort of positive note and, and the rock, you know, the, it rocks like hell. So yeah. it rocks like a bitch, as somebody said. 
So if uh, someone if someone doesn't want to go out to the record store, um, where they could just go to your website, right, and order it. Yes, just go to rickybird.com and you could get it in all variables except for vinyl right now. And like I said, it'll be up on and running on all kinds of you know the, the platforms, right? Online portals at, at soon. I'm working on it. I want to do it right. So, uh, but meanwhile, just come to my uh, rickybird.com and and yeah, you get a signed copy. You get handwritten lyrics, you know, whatever. There's all different, you know, price points and stuff. Oh, you need the lyrics. And once again, like I said, man, when I go to treatment facilities, I just bring a stack and give them away. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to, to be on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate it's a, it, man. It's always great to, uh, talking to you. Spending time with me, and uh, uh, I hope everybody is safe out there and continue doing the uh, – if, if you're struggling, uh, if you're in recovery, just keep doing the deal, baby. Yep. You know, if you're struggling, reach out for help. And uh, everybody just, like, keep keep uh, keep being safe. This is a yep. tough time. You know, we'll get through it together. Yep. Thanks, brother. Ricky Bird, it's always a pleasure. Congratulations on your new album, Sobering Times. I wish you all the best of luck. Don't Listeners, don't forget to go to rickybird.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-B-Y-R-D.com. And pick up the new album, Sobering Times. He'll autograph it for you, as he talked about. And don't forget to go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content and a percentage off subscription price. That's both print and digital. You can pick up the print magazine at Barnes & Noble, select Barnes & Nobles, and Books A Million stores. Also select record stores. They're on our record store directory. For now, thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. Bye now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.